Hi, it's Sophia Amoruso here, founder and CEO of Girlboss, and this is Girlboss Radio. We have a pretty great show lined up for you today, and it's all about something so many of us are talking about these days, and that's sustainability. I've heard that plastic is the new tobacco. That's something we're going to talk a little bit about today. It's not always the sexiest topic, but it's an important one, especially as so many new companies are launching with the goal of helping keep our planet healthy. I'm excited. I'm excited to get to our conversation with this week's guest. But before we do, I want to tell you a little bit about a new product I've discovered that I think you're going to love too. Function of Beauty, which is sitting in my shower right now and it's beautiful. Function of Beauty is a company that brings you shampoos and conditioners that are customized and individually filled just for you. So mine has my name on it and my shampoo is like purple. It's like real purple. It's kind of fun. It's like being a child in the shower um, and having like a beautiful like dump of purple on my head and it's made just for my hair type. And as you know, most drugstore brands only address a single concern like volume or strength. And with Function of Beauty, you can choose up to five hair goals to add to your formulation. You also select your color and fragrance or can opt for dye-free and fragrance-free and they use natural ingredients, Function of Beauty, never uses sulfates, parabens, phthalates, mineral oils, or any other harmful ingredients, and they're 100% vegan and cruelty-free. Girlboss Radio listeners, you can get 20% off your first order of Function of Beauty. To redeem, just go to functionofbeauty.com slash girlboss and take the hair profile quiz. That's functionofbeauty.com slash girlboss to get 20% off your custom formula. Okay, now on to the show. As we mentioned at the top of the show, one of the most pervasive problems plaguing our world and environment is exactly how much plastic we use and then toss. The other day I was reading there are like 18 billion pounds of plastic waste that flows into the ocean every year. It feels overwhelming and there isn't one solution out there. But with such a massive problem, there are new companies out there whose goal is to help solve this issue. And today we're going to talk to the founder and CEO of one such company trying to make this all better. Our guest on this week's episode is Sarah Paiji Yu. She's the co-founder and CEO of Blue Land, a company that seeks to help us eliminate single-use plastics, starting with our cleaning supplies. We don't often think of cleaning supplies when it comes to sustainability, but there's a not-so-fun little fact. Because these products are mostly made out of water, as a consumer, you're paying mostly for two things, and that's plastic packaging and water. Blue Land is trying to change all of that by having you buy the cleaning bottle once, and it's a beautiful cleaning bottle, and when you need more cleaning solution, you simply fill it up with water, drop in a cleaning tablet, and then you get a brand new full bottle of solution. Here's how Sarah explained it to me. So at that point, you know, I was just thinking like, God, I need, I, sh- I should like think bigger, you know, I can definitely, you know, have some impact as an individual consumer, but I thought like, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could create a business that could just provide consumers more choice. Welcome to Girlboss Radio, the show for and about ambitious women, exploring the wins, losses, and insights learned on the winding road to success. On this episode, Sarah and I talk about what a sustainable business really looks like. We talk about how to go about raising money, how we can keep eliminating single-use plastics, and what water, if any, is really safe to drink in 2019. Here's our conversation. 
Hi, Sarah. Hi. Welcome to Girl Boss Radio. Thank you. Thanks for being here. You're all the way from New York City. Yeah, excited to be here. Um, so I start every episode with the same question because you know you're so accomplished. Most of the women who come on the podcast have had these incredible careers, but we all start somewhere. And I'm curious what your first job was. Yeah. So my first job was a little bit nerdy. Uh, it was SAT tutoring. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I actually started it, um, I guess I was 15 at the time. So you hadn't taken the SATs yet. So I had taken a lot of practice SATs and this is like really strange, but I had a knack for the SAT. <laughs> um, and I lived in a sort of immigrant-dominated Asian community where there was a lot of demand for SAT prep. Um, and so that was kind of my my hustle. I, I was able to charge, I think, 15 bucks an hour, which is a lot mm-hmm. to be making um, at that age. And yeah, I would go around tutoring um, for the SAT. And let me guess, did you get a perfect score on your SATs? I, this is also nerdy, I got a 1590 out of 1600. So, wow. I, yes, I missed wow. one question. Oh, my God. And I was sadly bummed about that. Well, you made it into Harvard, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank uh, you. It was good prep. So, you have a Harvard undergrad and an MBA. Um, did you think, was an MBA, I guess, looking back, um, because, you know, there's mixed reviews of spending that much time in school and getting an MBA, pursuing a graduate degree. What did you get out of pursuing your master's? So I did end up going back to Harvard for my MBA. I ended up actually only going for one year. So I ended up dropping out after my first year. Um, and I went into it, you know, not looking for any specific sort of hard skills. I think for me, I had just been so go, go, go my entire life. And I went straight from like undergrad into like investment banking and consulting at all of these, you know, seemingly desirable, like top meme firms. And at the end of that, I realized that I wasn't doing work that I loved. Um, and But I was so busy with work that it was really hard to step back and really reflect on what it was that I want to do next. And so going back to school and pursuing my MBA, that I really viewed as just my opportunity to hit pause, step back, um, but still kind of get credit for that time because I was at mm-hmm. that point so to like type A and like define success so like squarely like in a box that it felt like well at least I could you know feel like I was at Harvard getting an MBA. Yeah, and I that love that that's my... like taking a break for you. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is like obvious looking at your your resume. Um, and so every bio I've read of you says that you're a serial entrepreneur and you mm-hmm. have already sold one company. You worked at some really impressive startups. So you went from. Harvard and you said investment banking Mm -hmm. into consumer brands, which is very different headset, sometimes a lot more intuitive, thinking about the user. Uh, Why was that interesting to you? Yeah, so I think that was interesting to me because, you know, ultimately it felt like an area that, you know, I naturally like had an edge. Um, And, you know, when I started sort of my foray into startups, it was about 10 years ago and female founders and and certainly like female VC investors were unfortunately like a rare sight and it still is today but I'd argue it's gotten a, a lot better and at that stage I just felt like you know 
being an avid shopper and female consumer that I did have an edge to sort of better understand what it was that customers wanted and what kind of experiences that that they wanted. Um, And so I think that was really attractive and, and appealing to me. And you, so you launched your own startup. When was that? So my first startup I launched in 2010, uh, and that was a mobile shopping app called Snapbet. And it was all about helping consumers find products and stores around them. You know, I think at that time, and still today, it's it's very easy to find products online. Like if I'm looking for like a red dress, you just go online, you get all these options and you're done. Um, but it was really hard to do that in the physical world. And so I set out to you know, partner with a ton of retailers and brands and make all of that information available to our consumers right on their phone. Um, So it seemed like a good, you know, sort of plausible money-making idea, but it was sort of an interesting journey, you know, after once I set out on it. But you did build a platform that attracted 2 million monthly users. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. not an easy feat. For sure, for sure. And it was, you know, every day... Um, was a grind. And, you know, I think very proud that we were able to attract so many consumers and retailers and brands. Um, but that said, I think it was still, it was an eye-opening journey because as much as we were able to get a ton of, like, again, brands and consumers on board, it was extremely hard to make money. And I just, I didn't realize that sort of going going into it. Yeah, it's so interesting how many things need to fit together for a startup to work. Mm-hmm. Um, that there's you know product market fit with the consumers, but also to drive revenue, there has to be um, product market fit with sometimes a different customer, which would be a brand or a client. And that even having two million people visit your product in some world is like not enough, or yeah, yeah, yeah. like it's it's incredible how high the bar is for sure. So many of you guys are out there side hustling, running your own business, selling crafts and making stuff happen. So I want to tell you about a company I wish had existed way back when I had an eBay store. It's called ShipStation. So whether you're using your own website, Shopify, Squarespace, Etsy, or over 75 other popular selling channels, you can use ShipStation to bring all of your orders into one simple interface. You can also manage it on your phone or from your computer, and ShipStation even helps you figure out the best way to ship every package. So ShipStation creates shipping labels for all the top carriers, including UPS, FedEx, and USPS, and they'll even help you choose the right carrier to get the lowest rate for every package. It's so simple. We've sold a little bit of merch here at Girlboss and use ShipStation for that. And with all of our shipping needs, as you know, it's super simple to use and we absolutely love it. With ShipStation, we ship more in less time with the best rates available. And right now, Girlboss Radio listeners get to try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code GIRLBOSS. See for yourself why ShipStation is rated number one by online sellers. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in GIRLBOSS. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code GIRLBOSS. ShipStation. Make ship happen. So you have worked at M. Jemmy. You've worked at Rockets of Awesome. You worked at Folane. You were the president of Folane. And you became a partner at launch, which I think has incubated all of those brands. Yeah. Is that true? So I've actually been to the offices and talked to them about doing merch for Girlboss at some point. And I think we're still kind of like noodling on what that could look like <laughs> long term. But, you know, 
when you reflect on what it is that you're doing now, um, you, both your own startup, but being in an incubator where you're seeing the mechanics of uh, of a process of, of incubating startups, like what are the throughputs that you've learned that you've been able to take to Blue Land? I think a big one for me sort of through my past experiences are that, you know, especially to build a sustainable business, it's not just you know, having an idea that consumers are really excited about, um, but do the fundamentals of the business actually make sense, right? So with my first startup, Snapbet, there definitely was great um, reception from consumers and brands, but ultimately what I didn't think through was like, how are we going to make money, right? Like, because, you know, I, I remember like three months out the gates, Nordstrom gave us a $100,000 contract, which is like huge. I was like, oh my God, they're going to give us six figures and just like put their products on our app. Um, but then that following year, when I go back um, to try to have that conversation about like, how do we then get them to pay us more money? They're like, well, what sales are you driving for us? And being a local app, like there wasn't perfect attribution. I couldn't prove to them unless they gave me a coupon that this was the amount of sales that I was driving for them. And so I think through that experience, I learned that local is very hard unless you attract like tens of millions of, of um, eyeballs that it's really hard to make money. And I think um, similarly sort of through like MGemi and Rockets of Awesome, you know, I really learned that ultimately I need to really understand um, like the math behind what makes a business work and scale. So, you know, what are my average order values? What is a customer's lifetime value? Which will then inform me as to how much can I spend to acquire that customer from a marketing um, aspect. And unless those numbers work out, you know, it, it really is hard then to scale that business and, and build a sustainable, profitable business. For the listeners who don't know what an LTV, yes. lifetime customer lifetime value is, I just want to lay out that definition. Can you tell me what an LTV is? Yeah, so lifetime value is the value that the customer um, provides to your business. Um, and you can look at it from a revenue perspective. So how much will a customer spend with you uh, within their lifetime? If you want to be conservative, sometimes you cap that lifetime to how much will that customer spend with you in a year. And that will then inform how much money are you willing to spend per customer to go out and acquire that customer. So, you know, if you're selling, you know, metal straws and that customer might just buy one forever, right? Then they might spend $10 with you. Um, that will inform sort of, again, like, can you then advertise on a podcast where it might actually cost you $20 per customer? And sort of the answer there would be no. Yeah. And so uh, it's makes it very smart to consider a subscription business yes. or a business where you're creating products that need to be replaced every so often, yes. which yeah. um, is very much a path to a sustainable business. And so you said sustainable business. And I was like, haha, that's funny. She's building a sustainable business, too. So I want to hear just a little bit about Blue Land, um, what it is that you do, and about the sustainability factor and why that's so important. Yeah, yeah. So um, with Blue Land, we're reimagining conventional household cleaning products and personal care products to eliminate the need for um, plastic packaging. And so the first set of products that we launched with three months ago is a set of cleaning sprays, like a multi-surface cleaner, bathroom cleaner, and a glass of mirror cleaner. And we started there because 
I realized that these products were like over 90% water, which means as a consumer, you're you know paying for plastic packaging and a ton of water, which you already have at home for free. And so, you know, our products come as like a reusable, refillable system. So you buy the bottle just once. And when you need more sort of cleaning solution, you can simply just fill it with water, drop in one of our tablets, and then you get a sort of a new full bottle of solution. And also it's beautiful packaging. Thank so it's you. something that you wouldn't necessarily have to hide under your kitchen counter in the way that you're hiding your unfortunate Clorox <laughs> or whatever it else else that you're using. Yeah. Um, and so the idea for Blue Land came from a personal pain point. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious about what that aha moment was. Yeah. So um, the aha moment was, so I be- I'd become a new mom um, and I breastfed my son for 11 months exclusively. It was like the hardest thing I've ever done, um, especially being like a working mom in startups. Um, I breastfed like I breastfed during like Hamilton the musical. <laughs> I was very committed. And because of a long work trip, um, I, I decided to shift him over to formula and formula is typically made of you know, like powder and water. And uh, at that point, was kind of obsessively researching, like, okay, what kind of water should I use? Um, and I was even open to, like, should I use bo- is bottled water safer, better than tap water? And that's when I was pretty horrified to learn that, on average, even like a liter of bottled water, which is like filtered, contains like 300 pieces of microplastics. Ugh. It's gross, I know. Which is like, you know, all this plastic that we're consuming is entering our waterways and our oceans, and it's like showing back up in our food and our water and like the formula I was making my son. And so that's when it really hit me. I was like, wow, like we can't keep consuming. Or like, at least I just personally didn't want to keep consuming like this. And so I decided to, you know, cut back my own plastic consumption. And, and then it was pretty eye opening that, you know, as well intentioned as I was, that I just didn't have a lot of choice as a consumer that so many of these most everyday products, you know, shampoo, you know, lotion, you know, Windex, it all came packaged in just one way in plastic. And so at that point, you know, I was just thinking like, God, I need, I I should like think bigger, you know, I can definitely, you know, have some impact as an individual consumer. Um, But I thought like, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could create a business that could just provide consumers more choice and, you know, enable me to also just have impact, you know, more broadly beyond, you know, what I could do um, on my own. I've heard recently that plastic is the new tobacco. Have you heard this? I have. Yeah, it's a good line. Yeah, and like straws like are the shame. new like cigarettes. Pure shame. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, you mentioned water, and I just have to know what water should I be drinking? Where yeah. where should it come from? Yeah. So tap is great. Um, so drink tap. If you have the luxury to install like a reverse osmosis machine, which is very intense, um, it, one does not fit in my small New York City apartment. Um, that will, that's like the one thing that will sort of filter out the microplastics. Um, but otherwise, tap water actually contains fewer microplastics than bottled water. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so I'm so curious because I'm sure you are deep into the clean product world. And those of us who have interest in building a more sustainable world, spending you know, less of our time 
putting stuff on our bodies and our homes that's, you know, filled with plastics and other chemicals. What are some of your favorite, like, clean brands? Like, what are you using on your skin? What yeah, are you using yeah. outside of Blue Land that we should be thinking about? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's interesting when you say skin, because definitely skin care and beauty are, are two of the hardest categories um, to go sort of single-use packaging or plastic-free. For skincare, I've kind of gone back to basics and I've kept it pretty simple. Um, I love this brand called Meow Meow Tweet. It's like meow, like what a cat would say. So M-E-O-W. And then tweet, like what a bird would say. T-W-E-E-T. And they have a great uh, face oil, um, lip balm. The lip balm comes packaged in paper instead of plastic. Um, The face oil comes in glass. And it's actually refillable at a a bodega that I have nearby my apartment, which is really great. And they also have a deodorant that's like refillable, comes in cardboard. Um, As for like blush and eyeshadow, when I I do wear uh, makeup, uh, I go with Kira Weiss. That's K J A E R um, W E I S, something like I that. I think so. Yeah, I've yeah, used it. Yeah, but it, they're refillable, which is great. So again, there is still some packaging, but again, when you run out, you can still use the same outer packaging. Um, I also use Mac. Mac um, has a take back program. Again, it's not hundred percent perfect, you know, uh, it's, but they will take back I think six of your empties and when you bring back six empties um, they'll sort of responsibly recycle or upcycle those materials and then you get a free lipstick. So what you're saying is that your trash can's empty. My trash can is not entirely empty. (laughs) Um, It's funny I I just wrapped up Plastic Free July where I was keeping all my trash and initially I'd committed to keeping it in a jar which was uh, way too ambitious. I totally did not keep my trash in a jar but it was not that much bigger um, than a jar but um, sort of it was a good way for me to just learn like sort of where where am I generating waste you know what steps can I take and honestly it's, it's hard it's definitely hard to go 100% zero waste especially being a mom staying curious it seems like a through line with all successful people and one good way to do that is to keep learning that's why I'm so excited girl boss is sponsored by Skillshare Skillshare, if you don't know, is an online learning community with thousands of classes for creators, entrepreneurs, and curious people everywhere. You can take classes in illustration, graphic design, photography, creative writing, marketing, productivity, freelance and entrepreneurship, pretty much anything you can think of, you name it, they've got it. And right now, I'm taking a class called Creative Leadership Toolkit, Curiosity, History, and Discovery, and I'm loving it. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for our listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for free. That's right. Skillshare is offering Girlboss Radio listeners two months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash boss. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash boss to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash boss. So I want to talk about just, okay, founding a business, venture capital. You have a co-founder. Yes. And he's fantastic. <laughs> Why did you choose to have a co-founder? I think a lot of people consider that. And it's, you know, it could be a great thing. You guys can be tag teaming. But then also those, you know, those relationships can go sideways. Mm-hmm. Why a co-founder? Yeah. So um, I, I, for me personally, um, I knew going into this that I really wanted a co-founder. I think the startup journey is is hard, Mm -hmm. right? There are a lot of ups and downs. And I think there are certain things that, you know, as the founder and as like the CEO, that it's 
hard to share a lot of your deepest, darkest concerns like with the rest of the team, right? And I think, you know, the best part about having a co-founder is having someone else that you know is kind of feeling and going through exactly what you're feeling and going through and that you can go to and voice your insecurities, your concerns, um, you know, that I just, at least at this point, would not feel comfortable doing sort of with, with my broader team. So he spent, what's his name? John Mascari. Okay. Why John, as a co-founder, was there a certain kind of experience that he had that you don't have that you needed to augment yours with? Where did you find him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So John um, is is really just a great compliment um, to me because, you know, for us, we really are coming at it with a different set of experiences as, as well as interests, right? And so John, you know, I own pretty much everything front of house. Right. So like um, branding and the site and marketing and he oh, and the product and he owns everything back of house. Um, so sourcing, manufacturing, fulfillment, uh, accounting, That's legal. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yes. And so as you can imagine, you know, not only comes and he he's also sort of the serial entrepreneur. His last um, business, which is still around, is a company called Bundle Organics. Um, which is a juice and tea brand for nursing and pregnant women. So he had a lot of uh, experience sourcing beverages for pregnant women. So the bar for quality is extremely high. And he had a type of manufacturing experience that I, I just didn't. Um, but more so than that, like his interests were, are also just very different from mine. You know, so sure, I could own accounting and legal and manufacturing. But, you know, if I were to be honest with myself, that's just not the areas of the business that that get me most excited and it's great to be working with someone that is is absolutely passionate about a, those areas of the business. It's really nice to be able to start that way because mm-hmm. if you don't you end up being the founder CEO who's trying to figure all of those things out and then you hit a point which you I mean you can mm-hmm. I did at Nasty Gal where you're like wait the CEO why how did I get dragged into all this stuff that's actually not my skill set mm-hmm. and at that point it's hard to bring someone in who knows all of those things yeah because there's already processes in place and maybe they're not best in class totally so starting there I think is really smart and you also hired someone from method yeah which is a massive company sold for like a billion dollars to target at some point been around for a really long time why him and how did you convince someone from a company that big to join your tiny startup yeah yes so we are so lucky to have Syed you know he heads up all of our R&D he was the former director of formulation at method which is I think the largest, uh, world's largest, like non-toxic cleaning company. Um, and none of this would be possible without him because, you know, everything we do is is science-backed, is proprietary. We have like 12 patents pending behind all of our stuff. Fancy. And so, yeah, fancy. <laughs> um, but yeah, when I, when you know, so we first came up with the idea, you know, it just seemed like a massive, like we were like, how are we going to tackle this? Like, you know, we had this idea of like, oh yeah, we're going to make these cleaning products tablets and it had never been done before. And we didn't know sort of the first thing about where to start. And so, you know, honestly, we, we looked around our own networks and we're like, okay, are we connected to any chemists? Um, it turned out we weren't. <laughs> and so uh, John and I then just, you know, turned to LinkedIn. You know, we just kind of broke down the, the big scary thing into like, okay, what can we do every day to chip away at it? And we're like, let's just go on LinkedIn and look for chemists with relevant experience and let's you know cold message them and see if they're willing to talk to us and so you know for like every night for a week we just like both 
went on LinkedIn. We pinged like hundreds of people, just try to get as many people on the phone with us, just to understand like, what did they think of the idea? Like, do they think it was possible? Do they know someone else that we could talk to or a manufacturer or anything? And um, would they be willing to like help us or join us? And it was through that process that again, we were so lucky to, to connect with Syed. And it takes a lot of guts to just cold email or cold LinkedIn that many people. And I think a lot of people are like, how do I do that? Mm -hmm. What do I do? Are there any tips you have for reaching out to someone just totally cold? Like, okay, I've worked in this totally different, you know, I've been a marketer and I've worked with like, you know, direct to consumer brands. This is a whole new world for me. There's this woman reaching out to me, has this like wacky idea about a (laughs) pill tablet that you drop into a glass bottle um, what are the tips you might have for reaching out to somebody and you know how do you get them to respond yeah yeah so it, we, we definitely tried sort of a handful of different tactics but I think you know for us we just stepped back and thought about like okay what would get someone sort of most excited about responding and, and talking to us like what is like what would be the why and for us we just figured the why for that person would maybe be the same why that it was for us so like there's this opportunity to really like change this industry and like save the planet um leading with meaning yeah leading yeah. with meaning and so that that's kind of where we led with you know kind of pointing out like the cleaning industry as it was today but like like but you know we have this crazy dream and it's crazy but how amazing would it be if if we could make this possible so you sell cleaning products and if, I, if, if there's, you know, listening, it's like, okay, it's a tablet, glass bottle, cool name, interesting founder. I wish everybody could see it. How do you make a product like this? Because it's beautiful. It's sexy, Thank right? Yeah. The listeners can't see this right now. How do you make a cleaning tablet sexy? Yeah. Like yeah. as a marketer, yeah. like, where do you start? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, honestly, I think it's so much easier today than it was, you know, sort of 10 plus years ago. I think being direct to consumer and having platforms like Instagram has really enabled us to be, um, not like have the brand be so much more than just about cleaning products. Right. Um, I think if we were, you know, a cleaning product that was sold in Target, like that's all we would be. We'd be a quiet cleaning product on the shelf. But I think, you know, platforms like Instagram and Insta stories, like that enables us to tell stories about innovation, about saving the planet, about um, the kind of world we want to live in and like leave behind to future generations. And so, you know, we are able to be so much bigger, or at least attempt to be so much bigger and talk about topics that are so much bigger than just like cleaning and hey, here's some like five, you know, cleaning hacks and happy spring cleaning. And so, you know, a lot of the content that we do is just so much about like, you know, celebrating better and, you know, progress over perfection and just highlighting, you know, all these small, easy ways, just like, you know, using Blue Land that um, people can do. Um, to sort of do their part and just really celebrating that all of these, you know, sort of, you know, you know, small individuals doing things can really have a big impact. So you have three products? Yes. So we have three products. What do they do? do? Yeah. So um, we have a multi-surface cleaner. And so that's kind of like your all purpose. You can honestly use it for anything around the house. A lot of people um, tend to use different products for like the bathroom or glass. Um, glass and mirror. And so we also also have a bathroom cleaner um, that's been especially formulated to go after 
um, the types of grimes and stain you'll see in a bathroom, which is different from like your kitchen. And then we have a glass and mirror cleaner, uh, which is also will clean like the multi-surface, but um, that's been formulated to be streak-free. So you've also raised money. Yes. Um, which is a whole nother, you know, each of these things is like a massive, massive task. Yeah. Um, so you you raised in April 20, April of this year, mm-hmm. $3 million led by Global Founders Capital. Um, and you have some, in, like some kind of famous people on board. Yeah. How did you go about raising money? Yeah, yeah. Um, and getting such well-known people you have... Justin Timberlake? Yes, Justin Timberlake is invested. So how did all of that happen? Yeah, so honestly, you know, I I can't say it was all like pre-engineered or pre-planned. It was, you know, one thing just kind of led to another. So, you know, I started with the investors that... I knew, and I think that was some benefit of being kind of in the startup ecosystem for so long. Um, and it was great. I think this time around, the conversations were, they looked different and they felt different. Um, one being there just there were so many more sort of female investors that I knew that I could reach out to. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, we just decided, like we set a date that we were going to kick off fundraising and then... We went out and had all this conversation. I think momentum's really important for fundraising, and so it was important for us that like when we kicked off, we kicked off strong because as an early stage business, and we were we had we were lucky enough to be able to raise pre-launch, um, and at that stage, you just there isn't much data for the investors to diligence into, and so um, social proof matters and momentum matters. And so we knew we wanted to sort of try to have as many of these conversations in parallel. Cause we knew that people would be asking like, well, who else is interested? Like who else is in? And, um, you know, we didn't want to like, you know, be out there for so long and people feel like that there wasn't sort of interest from other investors. What would your top pitch tips be? Top pitch tips. Um, I think one is, you know, definitely try to keep it focused, like really just understand what are the one to two things that really make this business exciting and make sure that you really drive that home and knock it out of the park. I think, you know, I've had, you know, female entrepreneurs come to me and ask for a pitch or deck feedback. And it's funny because when you're the founder and you know, like all like the hundred reasons why the idea is so amazing and like the hundred different ways you're also going to like make money and kill it and go into all these different areas. um, It's hard not to just like really stack your deck, like stack the deck. (laughs) Um, But then I think, you know, it gets like for an investor who's only with you for half an hour to an hour. Um, you want to make sure that they come away at least like really understanding what is the one or two things that is is really exciting about the business. So oftentimes it is like like I remember my first few decks they were like fifty pages, right? And ultimately it's like oh my god, we have to get this down to like ten. If there's one thing I know, it's that hiring can be challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. It's a place where growing businesses connect with qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash girlboss. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. 
As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match and you don't have to troll through irrelevant resumes. And ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, Girlboss Radio listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Girlboss. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Girlboss, G-I-R-L-B-O-S-S, ZipRecruiter.com slash Girlboss. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You've done a lot. Um, I'm, I'm curious what your biggest, what would you say your biggest career success would be? I think for me right now, it, it has been finding a really good balance that I'm proud of between motherhood and startup life. And it's taken me about two years to get to that. I think I'm, I'm finally, you know, I'm realizing that I know this is cliche, but I'm I'm realizing that I can't have it all, like all the time at the same time. And that is okay. And I feel really lucky that, you know, I'm able to spend so much time with my son and with my business. And they're two things that make me very happy. And I'm also okay with, you know, being very honest, like I don't work out at all right. I used to work out like every day, three times a week, like right at the moment, I don't work out at all. I don't read any books. Like I'm not getting a lot of sleep. And it's funny because like, those are like things that I know I'm not supposed to say. Like no one's like, you're not supposed to say that I'm supposed Girl to Girl boss. Yeah. Like that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And I mean, I've just, I love like being in my 30s, in my mid 30s. Cause I think finally I'm like, so I'm com- I'm finally like comfortable in my skin. And I think I've had enough. I've, received enough sort of feedback over the years on from like what I thought was going to make me really happy and then seeing like did it actually make me really happy and then being able to sort of incorporate that into sort of my day-to-day life and how I decide to go from here. And one of the things we talk about a lot I guess is like failure it's a really big word or just mistakes along the way and we all make them and we Mm -hmm. often don't talk about them but we're all making them all the time. Um, So I'm curious about your biggest mistake along the path has been for you so many mistakes um I would say I think probably the biggest mistake is kind of in line with what I said prior it was just trying to do too much all the time all at once and I think that was whether it was you know whether it's personally or professionally um And it was tough. I think, you know, having been in startups for so long, you know, it is, it's a grind and it's stressful. And, um, you know, I, I like developed like psoriasis like, uh, seven years ago. And I mean, that was like a big moment for me where like I went to my derm and he's like, he just sat me down. He's like, look, like this is caused by stress and it's all over like your scalp and your elbows right now. But if you don't control it, it's going to go to your face. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) not my face, (laughs) not my face. Um, so I think, you know, and it's like that. And I've, you know, I've had a couple of times in my life where it's kind of come to a head and it's really just sort of forced me to like step back and breathe. And um, it's, it, it's like that thing about like, you know, put your oxygen mask on first. Because um, I think it's, it's easy to sort of, sort of lose sight of that when you have like fires that are, you know, happening everywhere that you need to go and, and handle. Um, 
But I think that's probably my, that's been my biggest mistake where I sometimes I lose, I've lost myself in, in the fray. I feel like I might be asking the same question like a third time now. <laughs> Maybe because I'm not answering. No, 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 no. It's really, really important, yeah. I think, for people to hear this yeah. and to know that, okay, you're a startup founder of like a, you know, venture backed business. Mm-hmm. You have a child and you found a way to integrate those things and still feel good about motherhood and feel good about the contribution you're making to your company and are okay, probably feeling guilty yeah. about not being able to do it all and mm-hmm. I you know or hopefully maybe not feeling guilty feeling less guilty saying okay like this is okay I mm-hmm. shouldn't be so hard on myself uh, and one of the questions I ask everybody that comes on Girl Boss Radio is about this concept of success because, you know, Girl Boss was like, you know, I wrote the book and it was like, go out there and kill it. And this is what success looks like. And there's been, you know, and I've been, you know, whatever. I don't want to talk about myself, but, you know, we've, the origins of Girl Boss were very much like go out there, build a business, make money, kind of that that grind that led you mm-hmm. to burnout and yep. has led so many of us to burnout. And so success isn't just one thing, right? It's we should have this holistic view of what it is or and maybe it is building a big business and like making a ton of money and that's okay because I think a lot of us want to do that. Mm-hmm. But it can be so many things. What does success mean to you right now? Yeah. Um so for me right now, success is you know, success is you know, am I growing? Am I learning? Am I working on things that I'm really excited about? Um, am I working with people that I love and find funny and find energizing and, you know, and they're helping me also grow every day? And I think if the answer is yes to, to those things, I think that's, that's success. Um, but yeah, I think obviously, like you said, it's, it's, it, it is really personal. It's funny because on the first day of Harvard Business School, the exercise that they make you go through is they work with you to try to identify like um, what what drives you and what does success look like to you, you know, whether it's and they make you be honest with yourself on is it money or power or a title, which is interesting because those are the things. Those that, are the three options. <laughs> there's other things. There's other, other things. But I think the interesting thing is like those are the things that like on one hand, society kind of like defines as success but at the same time those are also the areas where it seems inappropriate to own and say that those are the things that drive especially for women especially for women um and so i think it's an interesting exercise because i think success does really differ and for people to be happy and successful they need to really be honest with themselves on like what what it is that drives them and just from my own experiences like it's taken me like 10 years to realize that like at least those things don't at least drive me um that I don't feel the money that's in my bank account um but you will because you're onto something big (laughs) (laughs) um okay last question yeah we have this thing called Girl Boss Moments on Girl Boss Radio and also on our on our platform, um, our our like network where we we're constantly um, prompting our community, our podcast guests to think of a time in their most recent history that's a time they were really proud of, and that could be nursed my son for eleven months, bought a house, or launched my business. What's your most recent Girl Boss moment? I think my most recent probably girl boss moment was um so right after my son was born my my father actually uh, my family's out in LA uh, my dad was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer which doesn't have a cure 
And we obviously were living in New York at the time. And I was also working on Blue Land. And for me, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to like build this business, raise my son, who's like an infant, and then somehow make my way back to LA frequently enough to like see my father and help take care of him and make sure that he gets to spend time with my son. And it seemed like just like an impossible, um, overwhelming thing to do. And, but I did it, you know, like I strapped my son to my body, you know, we came out to LA at least once a month, if not twice a month. And, um, same time I built my business, you know, raised this human being, um, which I had no idea how to do. And then was able to spend, a, you know, a lot of, of really meaningful time with my father and have him also spend a lot of time with his grandson. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really sort of proud of, of that. And, you know, he passed about six months ago. Um, but, you know, I no, thank you. But, you know, I look back on that time and I just feel, you know, really lucky and having been having been able to spend that time with him and having had the work flexibility to do that. But I'm also just like really proud that like, you know, like I did it. Like we, we did, we did, we did it all and, you know, figured out a way to balance all of that. You're a really strong person. Thank you for sharing that with oh, us. No this problem. has been an amazing conversation with you. Yeah. No, I, I've loved it. This has yeah. been great. All right, everyone. That's our show for today. Thank you so much to Sarah for joining us on this very special episode. I got a lot out of our talk. I learned so much and I hope you did too. If you like the show, please give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and also follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and go ahead and share this episode with a few friends and let them know you want them to listen to Girl Boss Radio and also go listen to Lip Stories. We have an amazing show that is a return from last season. It's our second season now of Lip Stories with Sephora. It's real good. Go download, subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.